Welcome to The Art of Growth. This is Jim Zartman, and today Joel Hubbard and I are interviewing a Type 4 panel as we're continuing our series on patterns, which is a back to basics, where we're going to the panel and we're asking them about their core motivation, their patterns, when it stopped working for them, and what they're doing now that they're proud of. And these are questions that we should all come back to. These are the ones that I put in the newsletter last week with the discounted coaching promo. And so if you're not subscribed to our newsletter, you can do that at theartofgrowth.org. And that's also the place to contact us about coaching for your organization or take a free instincts test or Enneagram test there as well. And if you need to reach out to us about anything, you can do that at theartofgrowth.org. But for now, let's jump in with our type four panel as they are describing in their own words what is at the very heart of the Enneagram, which is their core motivation, the pattern for getting our needs met, and a reminder that needs are neutral. They're not negative or positive, regardless of how much we might judge ourselves for them. We have core needs and motivations, and we have patterns to get those needs met, which are neutral, even if our approaches aren't always, and we want to reduce the sabotaging patterns of those so we can live into our unique light and contribution. And as you fours know, that longing for significance. So let's jump in with our four panel now. All right. Well, welcome everyone to the Type 4 Patterns Podcast. I'm super excited to be with each of you and looking forward to having this conversation. Uh, would you begin by introducing yourself and tell us where you're from? I'm Genji. I was born in Connecticut, but I currently live in Marietta. I grew up in Atlanta and I've been married for 35 years and have three boys. Sweet. As for me, I am Louis. I uh, was born and raised in France. I'm Brenda, uh, born in Korea. Long story, but we'll make it short. <laughs> it's a challenge for me. Um, but I, I'm currently coming from Charleston, South Carolina. Very good. All right. Well, we're going to be talking about patterns, the pattern of the type. And the reason for that is because one of our friends who's been following us for a while reached out and said, hey, uh, you guys always talk about the, the core motivation. And then you talk about the pattern of the type. Could you explain the relationship between the two? What are they? <laughs> and uh, and how does it look from type to type? And so we thought, well, let's ask you because you know better than we do what it is like being in your skin. And so uh, let's begin by having you define the way you would define the core motivation. So for everyone who's listening, core motivation tends to be that short description at the top of most descriptions of types. And it starts out with uh, something like for the type four, the core motivation or core need or core wound or pain, however it's languaged, uh, is there's something missing or incomplete within the type. And there's a sense, maybe a feeling somewhat defective or flawed as a result of that. And then they go out seeking to uh, find that missing self to be in some way significant, uh, find meaning. And so that's the sort of core that's described. But I'd like you to put language to that and what that sounds like and what that is like for you. I would say that my core motivation definitely is to be unique and authentic and to be taken seriously. Um, and to be validated. Mm, yeah, well, that, thank you. That's very helpful. And I like how you put it into your own words um, and what that means to you personally. So thank you. So the way I describe it in my own words, I'd say is 
for me, the core motivation is all about restoring a sense of fullness, of connection, of rightness with the underlying feeling that it's been lost somehow, but that I did at some point in time uh, know the color, the taste of it. Mm. It's very familiar to me. Yeah. Um, but it's also very obvious to me that it is not there at any given time. Yes. I love how you put that. There's a sense at which we have all, I think, can relate to that. Every night, all nine types can relate to there's something of a feeling that's familiar to it, and yet we've lost it. So, uh, yeah, beautiful. Um, my core motivation is to matter, to have depth. And uh, same as Louis. Um, Somehow I know that I touched it and I sometimes do touch that, but I don't go about it in a way that's necessarily good. Oftentimes um, it kind of gets stuck, if you will. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate that you did not try to go further than that because it's so often we're trying to make sense of that. What is that thing that I'm feeling internally and trying to put words to it? And so we do our best to explain it, but then going beyond that tends to get into all sorts of other things that we're trying to, to say about this core pain, this existential hole that all of us have. All right. So now the question is then what forms uh, is from that starting point at an early age, we have this experience, what becomes the sort of habit or pattern or strategy, however you prefer, whatever word you prefer, strategy feels very intentional for some. But the pattern is sort of like, what do you do as a means to getting that core need met? That sort of ache, that pain, that something's missing, something's not quite right. So if you can like think back and reflect, what is that pattern that has been fairly consistent throughout your life that you have found yourself falling into as a means to trying to get that need met? I would say that growing up, well, I was adopted when I was little. And so when I was about five, I had a friend to tell me that was bad that you know it wasn't wanted so that stuck with me and it was for me something i needed to hide but as i would look around in my fourness i didn't know about fours then i really felt like i was missing something everybody else had and so i developed several patterns definitely in the codependent realm I became very anxious, kind of in fight or flight, somebody would find out and that if they found out, they would know that I was shameful and not good enough or something. So I would try very hard to achieve in whatever I was doing. And this is early adulthood. I really can't remember what I did as a teenager. Um, I think I repressed a lot of feelings. But I would just try really hard to achieve. I tried to become a really good listener so that I, and I enjoyed listening, but so I could divert conversation and it would never go back to me and I wouldn't have to tell anybody I was adopted. Hmm. And I feel like it just all um, came to roost in my mid thirties. And I thought, can't carry this anymore. Who cares if I'm adopted? Because I couldn't be authentic. And it was just like I was carrying around this huge rock. I couldn't be authentic. I couldn't be myself. I was just trying to mask into whoever I felt like seemed like they had it all together. I tried to be a helper and the room mom, which 
never, I should have never been the room mom for any of my children's classes, but I was because, because then I could be okay and I could receive outward validation. But yeah, in my thirties, I remember I was an administrator in a Bible study and I was walking down the hall and I thought, I'm not keeping it a secret anymore. It's not that big of a deal. And it is who I am. And that acceptance was very freeing for me. Thank you. Yeah. There's like an ounce, there's like a, a sense of being both othered, like you're you're on the outside of something. And at the same time, a desire to have some meaning and significance and to stand out. So I I, I like that juxtaposition that's happening there, how you're explaining that and sort of the pain that the experience of the pain of not being able to really handle both, you know, effectively. Like how do I do both the wanting to have stand, wanting to stand out, wanting to have meaning, wanting to have significance, but at the same time, not feeling so othered in the process. Right. And feeling like maybe it wasn't okay. Yeah. So I'd say in terms of uh, pattern, the biggest thing that comes to my mind is the focus on whatever is lacking in a very logical sense, since um, this all begins with this feeling of there being not enough, be, be it in myself or in the world around me. I have this, I now believe, false idea that by diving deep into that sense of lack, if I dive deep enough, I'm somehow going to push through and fill it up. How that shows up is that I'm hyper aware of uh, anything that is missing, especially centering on relationships, on the quality of the connection I have with myself, with other people, with my environment at any given time. It is very centered inwards because I am hyper aware of my own dysfunction and I, I, I tend to hyper focus on it. In the functional sense, that's great because it's an incredible starting point for improvement. But mm. it, it honestly led to, to a lot of beautiful things in my life. The problem is that in this strategy, I want to generate the intensity that is lacking while engulfing myself in that sense of lack. Uh, mm. I don't know if this is concrete enough, but what I mean is that I am uh, digging myself into a hole that is deeper and deeper instead of realizing that I need to get out of it, that I need to go take a walk in the sunshine to fill up on, on good emotions, on great connections, on beautiful relationships. And the thing I would maybe add relating to uniqueness is that there's this love-hate relationship with the sense of being um, especially flawed and dysfunctional because I tend to alternate between feeling like uh, that makes me the most dysfunctional person on earth and uh, making me feel like, yeah, but I am flawed in such a unique way that my light <laughs> is bound to also shine through in a way that is profoundly unique. And if I'm completely honest with myself, I'm not willing to let that go. Huh. But every big like step forward I think I've taken in my growth is adding a little bit more truth between myself and I and realizing that I'm actually signing up for the suffering because mm. I have this weird twisted idea that through that sense of lack is the access to something so unique that it's going to solve all my problems. No, this is good because it is, it is conceptual, but it, and it is difficult for some other types to understand what it means to, in one sense, suffer and produce something beautiful from the suffering, right? And on the other sense, be stuck in a cycle of suffering where it's constant pain. And yet both are happening. 
this shows up like in in um in love relationships like uh, way way more than than anywhere else and i am always hyper aware of how connected my partner is to me i've recently experienced that this also works over 4000 kilometers distance with little to no communication like it's scary and by focusing on that lack on that person being unavailable for the day for example i have this really held belief that i'm going to um make the relationship better for instance the story i tell myself is oh this is a great way for me to work on being more autonomous being more independent and i just forget that the way out is to like step out of that space completely and uh go fill that gap with something else but like talking to other people for example that's how i can i can kind of get stuck in that um intention which is originally good to to fill up that sense of emptiness yeah it's good So it's interesting because when Jinji shared, it, it, I, I had this memory of, and I don't remember a whole lot of my childhood, but like that my parents would constantly tell me, I think more my dad, that I was like found under this bridge. <laughs> and I already mm. felt like, what the hell am I doing in this family? It's so dysfunctional. And it mm. was, I mean, we won't get into it. So I'm like, I just gotta, I gotta go inward. I can't, I can't, I can't be in this. I gotta like take care of myself. I mean, I had, I didn't have that language back then, but I just always felt like I was standing out in the midst of so much chaos. So I withdrew, like, I'm like mm. going in and I needed that, you know? But I'm super aware that I do that in most contexts, period. Like when I'm leading worship, you know, I will find myself leaning back. But when I stand up in my own two feet and bring myself forward, uh, it's actually, I mean, it sounds arrogant, but it's beautiful, mm -hmm. you know, because... I was a really super curious kid, and every damn time I asked a question, I was shot back down like, it's crazy, but like my dad would say, write in a book, leave that chapter out. And so I think it's not until the last little bit of my life I'm like, well, damn right, no wonder I withdrew. No wonder I went inward. No wonder I hid. And yet at 61, I'm like, no, no more. Mm. I am going to stand on my own two feet and I am going to show up because I, I'm not defective. I'm not flawed, but I fight that. Yeah. The internal message, that internal message, you know, it just, I just, it's like it, it, it encompasses me. And yet when I, because I'm more aware of that now than I ever have been, it's like, Hey, I call BS on this. This is not who I am. And I'm going to take up my space and bring forward what's mine to do. So I don't know if that makes sense. Well, let me see if I'm understanding you. Are, are you saying that in a setting where you didn't feel seen, that sense of I don't, I don't belong, your strategy to deal with that was actually to withdraw even more? Oh, yeah. Be okay. Because when I when I brought myself forward, you know, in in just a normal way, not like 
being bad or whatever, you know, I was pushed away in every way, you know, and it's like, okay, that was pretty effed up. It's like, and I'm not saying my parents didn't do anything right. So I want to, I want to say that. However, because of my own, my parents' own trauma, it, Mm. it was anything that was childlike or what it was just like, I had to kind of toe the line with my mom had to be perfect. If I messed up in the smallest way, it would be hit, you know, and so no wonder I hid. No wonder I withdrew. No wonder I went inward and had to create a fantasy. You know, no, no crap. It's like, I had to like, you know, and yet, I mean, I still struggle with, with that a little bit less now at 61, but I do recognize some of myself, like before when I was having a problem with all this tech stuff, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm like, And I was like, no, 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 Brenda, you just keep doing this. Like you're going to, yeah. you know, you, you, you deserve to be seen. You deserve to be heard. You deserve to bring yourself forward, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Just one thing I want to highlight is, is how um, our types and our patterns they serve us to some degree because they're protective, but then they'll limit us. And that's what I think in part what you're describing is like at some point, yes, it does help you with strategy. You get back home. But then there's also the limiting part of it and the self-sabotaging part of our patterns. And so if we're looking at all nine types and all of our strategies and all of our patterns, that's all they do is they just they just get us almost there. They, they protect us from really feeling the lack of the thing that we're the thing that's missing within us, but they don't quite get us to pass that to the place of really thriving. And so it takes a shift. And for some of, of you, well, for all of you, the reason why I've asked you to be on this panel is because at some point you started picking up on this pattern is this self-sabotaging pattern, right? Or it's a limiting pattern. So it may not be self-sabotaging all the time, but it's definitely a limiting pattern. And how do I get past that? How do I move forward and really put the beauty that is mine to put into the world, the good that's mine to put into the world, how I can easily spot what's missing as a four. I can pick up on what's missing in the world. I can pick up what's missing in myself. For me, that's Tuesday. You know, there's no effort in that. However, how do I get past that and actually begin to create the solution and make something more beautiful and more whole? So how's that work for, for each of you? And, and we'll start with Gingy is when did you realize that the pattern wasn't helping you anymore? And what did you do? What were some of the changes maybe that you begin uh, practicing to move forward? I would say one of the things that, that I learned to do was to be a good listener to my friends and to divert. And in doing that, I would attract people and then push them away. I was really, really good at listening, but not wanting to be vulnerable and not wanting to share. And then I realized that was not working for me because I would start to withdraw from everybody because I just couldn't carry the load of everybody's, I guess, problems, so to speak, as well as my own, my own covering up my shame and carrying shame and and I really appreciate everything that you all have shared. Um, it's so interesting how early messages and early things we got from our parents really define and kind of 
encapsulate that shame in our mind for us and learning that my feelings are not facts, that I I have to try to go past them and know that they'll pass and that I'm okay. But I think that it was almost a um, a pattern, like a self-sabotaging pattern of me spreading myself too thin, pulling people in, pushing them away, and then withdrawing. Even from my closest friends, I just thought it's too much. It's too painful. I can't deal with any of this right now. And I thought, and this is all because I'm trying to self-protect so that nobody finds out how defective I am. I think that's a pattern that I'm still trying to work on, that I'm still um, evolving in. I'm still working with God on changing those negative messages and habits because it's a habit and I don't even realize I'm doing it um, until I'm isolated and I'm thinking those bad things and not recognizing my talents, my abilities, and my gifts. I'm just going over that. I'm not good. Something is wrong with me. If I could do things differently, if I could have been more like my mom wanted me to be, I would be okay. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. The biggest thing I have to contribute to that is that I think in the second half of my 20s, I began to lose faith in that strategy because I wasn't getting any happier. Hmm. And at some point I was like, do I dig even deeper or Hmm. do I just accept that this isn't working out for me? And again, this isn't actually that conscious of a choice because it's sort of happening. Right. But it was just this looking back at failed relationships. uh, Like sometimes I sit back and think, how many times have I felt peaceful or joyful over the past 10 days? And when the answer is like close to none, I'm like, hmm, okay, it's probably an opportunity to change something here. So on a very <laughs> concrete level, I'd say that's really the, the baseline. But the real switch, like something that happened this past year for me is that I keep focusing on this, on this sense of lack. And I feel like people around me aren't taking it seriously. And I try to draw them deeper to look at what I am seeing that is not going well in the company and myself and the relationship, especially in the relationship. And they just don't seem to see it. And that drove me crazy for a long time, still does on occasion. But what began to to shift is that people began to answer like, it's not that I'm not seeing what you're seeing, it's that I think you're like perception of reality is flawed because it is a lot darker than, than things actually are. And especially regarding myself. And I've had the good fortune of surround, surrounding myself with really loving people these past few years. And what's been happening more and more is that they've been reflecting my light back to me. Yeah. Good. And I am playing this game with them where I am trying to force them to understand how dysfunctional and completely <laughs> effed I am basically <laughs> And they're not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Oh, I love oh, that. So oh, and, man. And I, I have a simple example, if you will. Like I've been taking yeah. part in a lot of retreats. And so I love to sing. I really like to make music. And it was an environment in which there wasn't much singing. And I thought, well, this is maybe something I can bring to the table. And I just made the effort of telling one of, one of the organizers that, that I'd like to maybe at some point like propose something. I did it once. And then in the following retreats, he kept like 
pushing me to the front and being like, okay, go do it. And each time people would like come to me, be very thankful about it. And I go to him and be like, I understand that all of you have a perception, a, a, a perception that something really beautiful just happened. I still just feel shame and uh, being not enough and etc. But the switch, and I'm sorry, this was a really long story to get to this point, is that I began to think either I am uh, profound, like profoundly wise and I'm the only person in the world to understand how dark things really are, or maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> or actually better, it's not really that I'm wrong, it's that I'm only saying, saying part of reality. There you go. Yeah, and that yeah, part yeah. is Excellent. super important and I'll yes. get to it in a second because I'm not letting that go. That is too precious. Yeah. In a professional yeah. setting, for example, like my ability to shoot, like to prove something until it's completely safe and thought through uh, in depth and etc. That is beautiful. Yeah. But um, what I'm learning is to focus on the positive, really. And I have hated, hated that proposition with my guts for so long when people are like, just focus on the positive. And I'm like, you don't understand. I'm standing like on the edge of an abyss. I am like really scared to just get sucked in. And you're telling me to focus on the positive. But what happened is I was in a retreat a few weeks ago and we had like many, many days of like a lot of meditation, prayer, whatever. And I went to one of the facilitators and I went to him and was like, okay, I've been focusing on these problems and like offering them up in prayer for a few nights now. And it is not working out for me. So can you orient uh, the work for me. And he was like, how about you focus? And what he proposed were like um, looking at the beautiful things in me, the things I um, value in my relationship. And and I was like, the focus of the inner work can be what is going good. And that was like breaking news mm, to me. And I know it sounds yeah. ridiculous, but, and that was actually kind of a breakthrough. And so now I'm just trying to really energize that because I'm realizing that the way out of the darkness is not to dispel the darkness from within, That's but right. really just That's adding right. light until it shrinks. And the second thing is channel my relationship with the darkness. By that, I mean, I think I use it in a very functional way in a professional setting when I do coaching, for example. My ability to look like behind people's shoulder to see what they are not seeing about themselves mm. is very useful. But yeah. when I channel it in spaces where it can be loving and where it can be oriented towards healing rather than just like being hard on myself, then it works really well. And I wouldn't give it up for the world, but it does need like that equivalent volume of light to be sustainable. Mm. So good. That is really, really good. Really There's good. some uh, so much to talk to say there, but I'll say this one thing here. I think I, I love the perception of uh, or the perspective you're taking of reality now, because in any growth work, it isn't about trying to discount your version of reality and say it's not real. My type is wrong. It's completely broken. It's more of like, no, there's an aspect I see, but we tend to overvaluate. We add way more value to that viewpoint as if it's the ultimate form of reality. And in growth work, it's the expansion, not the contraction. It's the ability to see more, to take that in and to hold it all and to allow it to do its work internally mm -hmm. until we see more clearly. And I think that's beautiful the way you're describing that. And even what people 
um, we're saying to you, you know, focus on the positive. That's not expansive either. That's like trying to flip and like it's trying to ignore, but it's not. That's right. I mean, the fourth or best doesn't ignore the darkness, but they integrate and include the light. And I think the way you describe that, it's like you're doing that very thing that is the growth path for the four there. I love that. Yeah. But one thing I do want to mention about that expansion is that one thing that's really helped me is to become okay with the fact that sometimes I can't see the light and that I uh, and that I am getting swallowed in darkness and that that is a great moment to ask for help and to, yeah. and to request support. And that has been so freeing, like to actually accept, oh, there's no way I am like finding my way out of this alone. And that's completely mm. okay. It's the same for everybody. I love and it. it's more about who do I surround myself with. That's right. And that also helps me lighten the load a lot because, yeah, it is way too much for one person to handle. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, I'm, I, these days, I'm so much more convinced than ever that our, our spiritual journey of growth is best done in community. It's best of done course. with other people that can walk with us. We're not meant to walk alone. We're not meant to transform alone <laughs> so yeah I, I think that's really spot on and almost all the coaching i do with type fours i start off with uh what good is happening in your life right now what are you doing well and let's celebrate that let's start there because if we don't start there we only see what isn't working and that's not a met that's not a recipe for growth that's a recipe for staying in that you know i've said before the continuum of failure is different than the continuum of success. They're not on the same, they're not in the same place. You can find endless ways of suffering. You can find endless ways of not doing the wrong thing. But in order to really grow, you have to introduce something so far into your system, which in the case of the four is what beauty is being, is emerging inside of me. And it's the beauty of your love and your heart awakening as your daughter was born. What joy is awakening inside you? And it's, do you dare to allow it to continue to awaken, right? And so that's, that's uh, what I'm hearing in, in your story. So thank you. It's interesting, my language for when I came to God's love has significantly changed. Um, I would say that I said yes to God's love when I was like 24, which was soon after my older son was born. I have grown kids now. I remember I said yes to God because I was tired of feeling the shame. I had no language for it back then. And yet I think the light of my son's birth was like an invitation back home to myself, both of my sons. Stuff like working at the Art Institute of Atlanta was an invitation to to the creativity that I that was so hidden, like my pattern of hiding, but yet I would mm -hmm. be fascinated. And, and it was like a, a journey of coming back to myself. Look mm. here, look here. Like when I would be jogging, I would see the jewel, like the beauty in the snow that would, would just like jump out at me like jewels. And I would be like, because I was that person, like some of you have said, that was numbed. I had so much feeling, and yet I had pushed it. And yet I think one of the pivotal moments is when I grieved. It, it sounds crazy. I was not in sackcloth and ashes or anything. 
But more than several years ago, when I realized I hadn't grieved that biggest trauma, and once I did, I was able to move a little more freely in and through my emotion because I don't even know how to form it or articulate it, but I see more light these days than I did before. I, I, I'm more in that both end. It's not as dark. I'm not quite as far back in the cave as I used to be, if you will, for lack of other language. I do, I super focus on what's missing. Like when I'm with my family, I'm like, oh, that wasn't what I thought it would be. And yet when I sit in the present, I'm more able to notice what's right in front of me versus because yeah, yeah. I get pulled back in the back. Yeah. Like it's just this, it's just like a fishing pole reeling me. And it's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Lean forward, Brenda. What's right here right now is what has, has helped me to embrace joy in a way. And, and yet, like, if I think back when my kids were little, I was the mom that was on the slide and the swing with my kids free and you know like I, I mean I didn't haven't thought about this a whole lot but like it was a way of reparenting myself you know because I wasn't allowed a whole lot of space to just be home in myself if you will and now it's like I'm I'm redeeming that mess like I am mm-hmm. you're taking control you're taking agency yes the agency that I is been, it, yeah. I think for most of my life I've just felt under Whatever, yeah, you know, like, and it's like, no, no, no. What, what can I do that, like, take action? What can I do here, right mm-hmm. here, right now? Very good to come back home to myself, be more present with others, and give to the world what's mine to give. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. You, you bring a really good point that I've heard other boys talk about in their growth journey, which is that shift from, you know, life is happening to me to I'm an active participant. I'm making life mm-hmm. happen. There's things that are happening for me and there are things that I am actually stepping up and taking action in. I'm not asleep to my body anymore. I'm taking, I'm awakening my action center and I'm stepping into the things uh, to create the life that I really want. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's so it's so beautiful to hear the dynamics. See, fours are made for this like variety thing for for dynamic, right? The the many different experiences of life, and that's the gift. That's the beauty, right? But then you get stuck in sort of the singular thing of either total pain, you know, or sadness, right? And not the range of 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 that with joy. Um, so yeah. I'm loving how your the agency brings you back to the richness that you're supposed yeah. to experience as a four, but without getting stuck in you know one thing yeah. or another. Yeah. Uh, when talking about agency, I know I hear it a lot as uh, something that is focused outwards on what my responsibility is in terms of action, what I can build, do. But I'm realizing that it's also internal in that. One of the big elements of the path forward for me is also self-care. And I thought I'd been doing it all along because I spent all of this time looking (laughs) inwards and looking at the pain. And I'm like, well, for a lot of people, 
moving towards um, self-care means first being okay with looking at the pain. And I'm completely fine with that. So that's probably not an issue for me. And what I'm coming to realize is that looking at the lack of something is very, very different from holding pain. And looking at what is dysfunctional within me is very different from finding that inner sense of agency of, oh, maybe I can be the person who is holding all of this hurt. And maybe I can give myself some of the listening that I so desperately crave. Yeah. True. yeah. And it, I know it sounds like a little bit of a cliche, but it is extremely different internally speaking in terms of feeling yeah. and doing. Yeah. And most of the time I realize that I'm not focusing on healing. I'm focusing on being the bad guy and being uh, like, I really resonated, you know, like Taylor Swift had this song out this past year, like, uh, hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. And each time yeah. I was like, oh, that, that is such a forest song. <laughs> and moving from that space to, um, yeah, the, the, that act of reparenting internally um, and actually holding that to make sure that I don't depend on anybody anymore to, to downregulate yeah. and then be able to go into the light. I mean, I still require support, obviously, but first relying on myself. And that is a huge step. And it's difficult yeah. to do. Like, honestly, I've been, I sucked at it these past few days. Uh, this is really reco- uh, reconnecting me and I'm sure I'll do better in the in, in the couple days to come. But yeah, that, that agency also really works internally for me. Oh yeah. I mean, the first right action is self-care. But what that means isn't obvious. No. Because it's well, so no. different for everybody. Absolutely. Like my last realization was that I keep talking about my emotions. It turns out that uh, singing works like, wonders for me where speaking doesn't work at all because I can, I can't, re- I don't really talk to myself, but I can sing to myself. And that's a whole different dynamic. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, and I, uh, but I am having such like, it's such a long path to figure out like, what is it that I need and how do I give it to myself? And it's not yeah. just an instant fix. It's a, no. it's a path. Not for anyone. I mean, this whole yeah, self-care <laughs> thing is no, but I mean, I'm so glad you bring that up because this whole self-care thing could be an entire podcast on, on its own because of how many different ways we all nine types we think that we understand what that means, right? And we don't. <laughs> and it's uh, you know what looks like, and you know what what sometimes is viewed as self-care for for another type is more like self-indulgence, you know, and mm-hmm. like what is the difference between self-indulgence and self-care and um, so there's so much there to be explored, but I think your the agency that you're describing over that and the ability to 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 meet your own the needs that are yours to meet, right? There are needs that other people can meet, but then there are needs that that are yours to meet and distinguishing the difference between those two. And then, you know, introjection, which is the sort of defense mechanism of the four, which is taking in like I can't generate positive emotion, so I have to take it in from the external world. And like, oh, no, I have agency where I can do that for myself. And so, you know, I love that thing. I've, I've never heard that. So it's great to like you singing to yourself. It works better than that. words to yourself. I think it's, that's super the, interesting. The, the actual thing that happened was that during the retreat I was talking before, like I made music like quite often. And I realized that I was feeling like um, disconnected from myself because I was actually singing emotions for other people in the hope that they would reflect them back to me. And that's the trap in four, right? Oh, I try to connect wow. through, to myself through other people. And I forget yeah. that there's actually a direct leg going on there. So the first thing I did was for like two, three days, I completely stopped 
And um, I began like silently actually like saying the words for myself, not even saying them out loud. And then after a while, I began singing for other people again, but it was just singing for me. They just happened to be there. Never have so many people come to me afterwards to tell me, whoa, that was profoundly touching. And thank you for sharing that with us because it's first for myself and what light yeah. can, can shine through then um, as well. Can. Yes. It's a very yeah. different dynamic. Oh, I love it. I love it. So good. I can't thank each of you enough. Thank you so very much. This has been a rich, rich conversation. So thank you to each of you. So thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Type 4s out there. We so appreciate you. Your story is sacred ground and your exploration of self and the world around you is significant. If you aren't subscribed yet, here's your little reminder to do so. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Art of Growth. But for now, my friends, may you have the courage to lean into the vulnerability and depth of your own heart and honor your search for meaning and significance without losing sight of the what you are doing and who you are right here and right now because it matters. And it matters that you're engaged in the actions of the moment that are consistent with the values of your life's meaning. And may you remember to integrate joy back into it so that your compass has a true north. Grace and growth, my friends.